the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Sorry, yesterday, if you were tuning in, I replayed the show, uh, last show from last... Excuse me, the week from... Jeez, Louise came to speak. The show from last week because I was stuck happily, but stuck in Tennessee. I spent the last two and a half days in Tennessee with General Mike Flynn, and I wanted to report it on that. I figure, oh yeah, if I, if, I, if I missed my great show and I missed my listeners and you're stuck with uh, regurgitated, although it was a good show from, from uh, last week, so you got something good, but I ought to explain. So let me explain. And this is this is what you need to know as much as you I can tell you. I spent the last two well, a couple of days with General Flynn. It was probably only a day and a half of you as the as the uh, clock flies because it was when we landed and all. But we went down to Tennessee and there is a great general I've talked about, General Jack Singlob. He's 99 years old. He's an incredible uh, hero, World War II hero, Korean War, Vietnam. Also served in uh, in the uh, highest levels of the of, uh, during peacetime. And then after he was fired by Jimmy Carter. He went on to serve Ronald Reagan sort of on the side uh, as a uh, guy down in um, in Latin America fighting the communists. Amazing man and charming and wonderful. I've been friends with him for uh, for 10 years, I guess. He's been friends with General Flynn for 20 years. But General Singlop has been the chairman of an organization called America's Future, which traces its roots back to 1946. 1946, when it was started by some businessmen after World War II, America's Future, uh, all these years, has promoted, it's a, it's a nonprofit charity, promoted uh, American exceptionalism and the greatness of America. And had publishing, uh, radio shows, all kinds of things. We do some radio work with him. We did some Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss, who was on the board, too, did um, some uh, newsletters for many years. Well, on Sunday, uh, General Mike Flynn became the chairman of America's Future, taking the place of the great General Singlob. And uh, so that was a long time coming. We've been talking about it for uh, probably two years, maybe longer, uh, and hoping that we could get General Flynn to take over this because his voice, and this is where I get to the point, I'll tell you. His voice is is uh, one of the most articulate about America's exceptionalism and about America's greatness, and 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 especially because he's now been through. He's like he's like I hate to say it. It's a little dramatic, but not much, because in the modern era, there's nothing like being prisoner to the culture and the fake news and the big media and big tech. I that couldn't that 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 prison right there might be worse than any prison other than some of the ones where there's, you know, t- torture, physical torture. But, you know, Nelson Mandela after he came out of prison for all those years, that was a long time, or Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when they spoke they spoke with the clarity of people who had been to sort of the bottom of the brokenness of being left behind and all, and that's how General Flynn is. He, this guy was the uh, high-flying war hero, you know, achieving guy who got uh, helped get a man elected president and then got run through the, you know, run through and put through the ringer for four plus years. So when he speaks, he's got a clarity of who he is and what he's about. He doesn't owe anybody anything and he doesn't need anything. And he's just great to hear. And he's a natural leader. People are drawn to him. 
So here we are down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, outside of Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee first, where we had this meeting with General Singlob and, and General Mike Flynn takes over as chairman. And then we went over to give a, a, the first talk. We had a, a small dinner with some folks. And then the next day on, on Monday morning, we had a small talk, excuse me, not a small talk, a bigger talk in a, in a big church. About 500 people signed up. The room was full. It was from standing room only. And uh, General Flynn spoke for about 90 minutes and the crowd. And I have to tell you, the people are so drawn to this guy. General Mike Flynn, when he talks about America's future, his efforts to fight for America's future, I told one of the people that was attending afterwards, we were talking, I said, this guy could be golfing. He doesn't golf. He could be surfing. He is a surfer. Or he could just be sitting on his back deck with his wife of, uh, you know, he's 62. He's His wife and he have known each other since they were 13. They've been married for, I don't know, 45 years or whatever. But he could be relaxing. And instead, he's decided he's going to fight for the country and for America's future. And when he talks about it, people are drawn to him. I I actually have never seen anything like it. Now, I have been around politicians, but politicians don't have a don't really have a um a, a sort of spiritual draw. They have a they they are very charismatic. Some of them are very charismatic and very impressive in person and they're, you know, they have a way. In fact, at the highest levels, US senators and especially presidential candidates of any caliber, they're very these are big league ball players. They're really the top and, you know, they they they've done this for a long time. They're very talented. But when you see a guy like General Mike Flynn and hear what people tell him, how he has tapped into what they've gone through and how they believe in him and how they want to they want us a fight for America's future. It's extraordinary to see. It's really extraordinary to see. And so I, I you know, in, in missing yesterday and I was sorry to do it. It was a good cause. But also, I have to tell you, it was a privilege. And I should alert you that coming soon is General Mike Flynn asking America to fight for her future. To be ready to to you know do the things it takes. Not it's not by the way it's not just politics. In fact, it's not really politics. The one blurb that's going around the internet that uh, he got a ton of attention for was when he said, "I don't really care about 2022 or 2024. I don't know why people are talking about that. We got stuff to do right now." And part of it means fighting for election integrity, by the way, because he's still he is totally convinced he's seen the insides. He's totally convinced of of lots of problems in 2020. But he also knows you got to have elections going forward. But He's mostly in addition, he's talking about and he talked a lot about this at various times in smaller sessions with people getting our priorities straight, getting our families straight. He, he actually talks. It's stunning to hear. He says freedom. Freedom isn't the top thing. But you can't get you can't. Freedom comes after faith. He said, you've got to have faith before you can have freedom. Otherwise, freedom is hollow. And when he talks to people about that, when he says what he's what he's gone through and what he's felt, he's not a politician. He's he is a professional. He's a professional army man, a soldier, but he's a, a prof- he's a leader, too. He's a general. So he's not he's not without real uh, skills that have been honed. I'm not I'm not pretending we're getting you know, we went down to the to the uh, to the, the little league field and picked up an 18 year old kid and he's suddenly hitting home runs. This is a this is a top caliber trained man who's been through the the, the pressure of high level, you know, uh, uh, military service and service in the government. But he's not a politician. And after what he's been through, he's not, um, he doesn't know anybody anything. 
Actually, that's not true. He owes his wife, he'll say a lot, uh, and he owes God. And then he'll say that he owes the American people who bailed him out, who wrote him letters and gave him $10 and, and sent him support. And he said that that became what you, you he, he spoke about it uh, on Monday and he, he barely holds in the tears. He said, Flynn's don't he said, Flynn, <laughs> he said, Flynn's don't mind crying. We're, we're not afraid of crying when we're something we care about. But he, he doesn't he doesn't shy away. But he doesn't know. He doesn't owe the parties, doesn't owe the Republican Party, Democrat Party. He doesn't owe the party bosses. He doesn't own. He doesn't owe the publishing houses anything. He's not one of these guys. You know, Mike Pence just got a multi-book deal for millions of dollars. What's that about? I mean, anyway, I, you know, the, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of people, politicians, and others. They they have people that they owe. The platforms that they have are given to them by people, and then they're owed. And General Mike Flynn, what you need to know right now is he is preparing. He's coming to a neighborhood near you to talk about America's future. And what he's saying when you listen to him, the people are not only hearing it, but they're speaking back to him. And and, and his understanding of where the American people are and what we need to do is growing. And um, it's good. It's really good for our nation. So you're going to hear more about that. But that's where I was, and it was a great privilege, and uh, and you'll be hearing more about it. So there you have that, and I'll get uh, more details on that. Uh, again, General Jack Singlob, uh, the, this great man. I hope people know his name forever. Uh, and now General uh, Mike Flynn as chairman of America's Future. Uh, you'll hear more about it. All right. That's all we've got. Uh, excuse me. For, before we got to get to these great interviews, I've got Craig Shirley coming up, and then also our friend Steve Bias. So hang on for those. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And my old friend Craig Shirley is going to join us. He's got a column over at conservativehq.org, a great site founded by the great Richard Vagary, one of the most uh, amazing successes in terms of conservatism. We've talked about him before. But Craig Shirley has two books that are two of my favorites. One of them is called Reagan's Revolution, which is an extraordinary uh, description of the uh, campaign, Ronald Reagan's campaign, when he ran. Uh, for president in 1976 and people don't realize how important that he lost of course but he got close and it laid the the groundwork for what happened but the more and i haven't told craig this the other book that i have absolutely loved was about about a year ago well it was after the pandemic started so maybe eight months ago i bought craig shirley another one of his books called mary ball washington the untold story of george washington's mother and i bought it craig as an audible you know so I, i listened to it and it's a fascinating story about George Washington's mother and her incredible life and her uh, what people don't realize and the connection to George Washington, who I admire. So Craig Shirley is a very accomplished author and uh, and a guy who understands how politics works. And he's got a piece up which really drew my attention about baseball. So we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Craig Shirley, how are you? How are things in your life? I'm, I'm doing great. I just uh, I just finished a new book, April 1945, about the uh, what happened in the United States at the end of the war, what happened in the world toward the end of the war. It wasn't the end of the war yet, but a lot of things happened. FDR died, Hitler committed suicide, Mussolini was taken huh. down by the mob in, in Rome. So there were a lot of things going on in the world at that time. Uh, Auschwitz was discovered, uh, Dachau was discovered. Uh, 
So I'm hoping that I'll get as favorable a reaction to this book as I did to my previous book, December 1941, which was about the 31 days of December 19, about the Pearl Harbor attack and what happened to the United States after the after the attack, yeah. and how it changed the country. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's interesting, Craig. I'll, and I'll, I'll leave it by saying you have this ability to take a historical moment or a campaign or a person and sort of tell what you've in a couple of the titles. It was uh, the untold story of, you know, your ability to go look right. at something and say, hey, wh- how did this work? All right. So let's talk about this piece over at Conservative HQ baseball. Now, here's what I want to ask you. The, the Major League Baseball goes weak at the knees. They go for woke. They pick uh, marijuana soaked Colorado. Colorado's got marijuana going out, literally flown out out their ears and uh, they move the move the game out of uh, Atlanta which is almost entirely African American leadership and all and they go to Colorado but here's a question I have for you you've watched a lot of politics you've watched PR you're a pro in all these things marketing it, does major league baseball sort of get over this in a month or two or or, or or is there a real chance people leave baseball behind no i think there's a real chance people are going to leave baseball behind even before this Baseball viewership on television was tailing off, and it only accelerated because of this. Uh, it, this is a, this is a flashpoint for the for Major League Baseball, and they're going to rue the day when they threw away their their core audience, which is white, straight, middle aged males. Uh, let's face it, and they threw it away this core audience by bowing down to the uh, forces of liberal uh, political uh, correctness and woke uh, movement in Georgia and, and, and moved to Col- Colorado. The, it's people, they're turning away from the NFL. They're turning away from baseball. They'll find other things to do. They are finding other things to do with the time. So I think it's it's a it's a, it's, a, um, it's an evolution. We're all we're all moving away from baseball now. Unfortunately, at least uh, we're talk- baseball. We like college baseball, minor league baseball, little league baseball. We still like that. But the majors has just been too politicized now. And so, and, and you know, what, what I, I think you said at the beginning of that, that uh, my your answer to my question is, it already was happening. Baseball was too slow for our attention span. It was too expensive, all these kinds of things. Uh, but now, Craig, pulling back again, you just finished a book uh, called 1945, The Hinge of History. I'm looking at the cover now, which is out in a, in a few weeks. And, and you've written about 1941. You've written about these key moments in history, the, the Reagan uh, revolution. Uh, yes. We're in this middle. We're in the middle of this kind of woke revolution. And. and and, and it, it feels like it's on the march against conservatives. They cancel Donald Trump and Michael Flynn from Twitter and Facebook. They don't even blink. They just keep going forward. They they, yeah. they target uh, Mike Lindell. But, but you've been around this a lot. Is this uh, ebbing and flowing, or are we in no, a I flow think, here that's it, not... I think it's flowing. I, I think it's the beginning of something, not the end of something. As Roosevelt, as, uh, as, uh, as Churchill said at the end of World War II, it's, it's the end of the beginning. Um we are dividing ourselves into two nations in America. We have blue country, blue states, and we have red states, and it's going to even become even more so. People are fleeing New York. People are fleeing California. People are fleeing Illinois. They're going from the tax, high tax, liberal dominated, liberal corruption, uh, terrible states, and they're going to Cal- they're going to Texas. They're going to Florida. They're going to places where common sense still prevails. And they're, they're, they've changed culturally. You know, the people from somebody from Wisconsin has very little in common with somebody from Louisiana. They've changed culturally, and this whole idea of our being homogenous existed for a time. 
after World War II and for a time of the 50s and 60s, and then we started dividing ourselves in the 60s, and it's happened even more. No, it's accelerating now. So that you and I will see somewhere, sometime in our lifetime, the United States will continue, but it will continue in a different form. There will be tr- friendly trade relations and friendly, you know, travel arrangements, things like that. But, but, but there will be a different attitude of a different behavior, different response. Of people from of the state of Florida versus the state of New York, it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable the way that people are changing, the way the politics are changing. New York is becoming more left wing, and and Florida is becoming more conservative. And it's just a, it's just the, the you know the, the the tip of the balance is that it's such that it, it they're, they're tipping one way one way or the other, they're becoming more and more alienated yeah. from each other. We're talking with Craig Shirley, and uh, his. Um, he mentioned his new book is coming out. Uh, one of the ones I like so much, though, too, he mentioned is December 1941, 31 Days That Changed America and Saved the World. Extraordinary book there. Um, and, and Craig, uh, the other book book coming out is called April 1945, The Hinge of History. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but but let me ask, uh, Craig, about um, this, this moment now we're in now. Uh, again, it, you said it's the beginning of something, not the end. But here's my question. I, I, it feels to me like no matter what the beginning is in terms of uh, wokeness and corporations and all this kind of universities that the, the thing that's totally changed is the information distribution network, which used yes. to be, you know, uh, radio and TV. And it, it was liberal, but it was at least sort of pretending or balancing forever. forever yes. Yeah, but it was but it was pretending to balance. Walter Cronkite was a liberal, but he didn't kind of shove it in your face. And now right. the combination of the combination of big media, which is totally promoting uh, a truth to get action, they're promoting. Van Jones is promoting rioting so that whatever the decision in, in Minneapolis, there'll be riots so CNN can cover it. And then on the other hand, big tech is literally changing our brain with the speed of their of their uh, dopamine. I mean, uh, machines. Sure. How can we ever? How can we ever beat the, the power of those uh, of those two weapons? Yeah, we're not okay. going to. We're not going to. Yeah. We, we are going to win for ourselves by creating an alternative universe, by creating an alternative uh, state governments, by creating an alternative culture, by creating alternative colleges and universities, by creating a, a alternative information mm-hmm. delivery system, by creating alternative political organizations, and that's what's going. That's what's happening in this country, and that's what that will happen with with the uh, with the economics and, and the media in this country. Is that uh, we'll, we'll win by creating. We're not going to beat them at say at Harvard, but we'll create an alternative competitor to Harvard if we haven't already. If it's not Hillsdale uh, or Liberty Baptist, and we will create other uh, an, uh, alternatives to Harvard and Yale and things like that, so that the children of conservative parents won't be subjected to the taunts and the, the ridicule and the, and the harassment that they, the, 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 they uh, endure at, uh, at Harvard and Yale. Uh, they'll go to alternative colleges. So Harvard will become more and more liberal, and conservatives will, will stop going there. They'll go to rational conservative universities and colleges in the future. There's just too much it is, animosity uh, between. There's just too much animosity between the two sides, between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, they, they, they don't even talk to each other anymore. It's that there used to be bipartisanship. There used to be an effort to get you know whether it was Reagan or Tip O'Neill or Clinton, and 
Newt Gingrich, uh, or going back to the 40s and 50s, there was an effort uh, to to solve the problems that afflict this country jointly. But n- now it's now it's is that you've got to, uh, especially liberals, uh, they have to crush their opponents. They can't work with their opponents. Uh, hmm. And and yeah. I see it in my own family. I see liberals in my own family who are totally irrational when it comes to politics. You you can't you can't talk to them rationally or logically about politics, about taxation, about regulation. And the, the, when you point out to them that liberalism has failed. Every place has been tried, whether it's here, mm-hmm. whether it's at the co- college and universities, whether it's the Social Security system, whether it's the state of California or the state of New York, or whether it's Russia, the Soviet Union, uh, is that collectivism has always failed. It is, it is it always, it never, there's no, nobody can point to any uh, example of those successes. And you try to talk to your family about that, they won't hear it. They, they simply they just turn yeah. off their eyes and say, they, they always run to you know, a little anecdote. Uh, well, yeah, but, mm-hmm. but, but you got racism in America, you know, therefore you're evil. No, <laughs> right. no we're fixing it, yeah. we're correcting it, we're admitting our mistakes, we're, we're in search of a more perfect union, but at least we're trying. You know, but they yeah. won't give us. They yeah. won't give, give conservatives credit for trying. They won't give conservatives credit for you know for, for having the, the the desire to change things for the better. Yeah. All right. I got to run. Craig Shirley, his newest book, which is out just uh, in weeks, is April 1945, The Hinge of History by Craig Shirley. He's got about a score. I don't know. Many books that are worth reading, including uh, uh, the one uh, that I like on Mary Ball Washington. And his recent piece on baseball is over at conservativehq.org, Richard Vagary's great site. We'll put all that up on social media. Thanks, Craig. As always, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks very much. Craig Shirley, and we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Steve Bias, Professor Bias, who's uh, out in Oklahoma. But I have to tell him and surprise him a little bit. The uh, the news here, Steve, is that uh, when I had you on the program a few months ago, I bought one of your books. And, and the book that I bought, I'll get the title right. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up so I don't get it wrong. I bought it on my Kindle because I was on the radio with you. And I thought, I'm just going to buy that right now. And I forgot about it. I won't lie to you. And then I went back. I was traveling. And I saw it. And I said, I never read that. And so here I am. I'm digging into this book, and it's called History's Greatest Libels, A Challenge to Some of the Great Lies of Our History. And Steve Bias, it's extraordinarily helpful. And and I read the introduction where you you yourself were lied about and how terrible that was when you were a candidate years ago. And then you wrote this book. And especially I just had this fight with a conservative friend about uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, how they say Thomas Jefferson. You know, it's the conventional truth they offer that Thomas Jefferson fathered all these kids and and all this junk. And your second chapter of the book breaks that down, talks about all the details. It's a great service. So thank you for doing it. And I guess my only question for you is. Don't you have to do a book like that about every like six months the way we're going right now? Oh yeah, it just uh, you're just going to uh, continue with uh, uh, <laughs> you know libels. Uh, the you know like the most recent one would be uh, uh, Clarence Thomas. You know people think that uh, he harassed Anita Hill, and uh, you know the the and that's far enough back now. That it's kind of like history to a lot of people, and they just assume that was that's the narrative, and it's totally false so anyway 
Uh, yeah. Uh, is the so as a, as an observer then, and now you've done a research on it. You've written the books on books on it. Um, when you see something, you know, people used to say uh, when th- th- there is a term for it, and I, I'll, I'll get it wrong, but I'll come back to it. When you see something that you know about it in the newspaper or on TV, and you say, "Hey, that's something I know about. That's wrong." When you see something you don't know about, you look at it and you say, "Well, that's the news. It's probably right." You know, and you just assume we sort of have this, you know, sort of built-in goodwill that what you see on the TV or in the newspaper must be true. And and it's, of course it's we've seen it's it's kind of uh, uh, the opposite in a way. But I guess Steve, how what the left wants to say is there's no truth. It's your own truth, right? You got your own truth, oh, not yeah. a truth. It's a fu- it's a funny argument. We have to argue that that they're making it up, and then they say, well, it's whatever your truth is for you. I mean, where you're a professor, this is a this is a tough moment we're in, isn't it? It very much is, and it's very frustrating as uh, someone that loves the study of history to see it uh, distorted for political purposes and it's uh, it's it's done in a, a huge way the, the uh the and uh and so i don't know that, that your book got me got me off into the uh so let's talk now about canceling culture this is a piece that's over at the new american people go to the new com. is always good writing there my old friend alex newman is one of the leaders there and writes a lot but uh the cancel culture and uh and, and specifically you write about a nullification now this 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 uh topic nullification at the founding in those first 40 years would have been something everybody knew about it kind of was something people understood now we don't. And it sounds to the modern ear, I think, like too dramatic. It's, oh, nullification. That sounds kind of like, a, is that is that related to sedition and insurrection? It sounds like, how would you explain it to say, you know, common sense? This is what we're talking about here. Uh, well, uh, as you said, uh, because of the Civil War, I think uh, any uh, effort by any state to oppose an overreach by the federal government going beyond the constitutional enumerated powers has been kind of like, well, you're you're uh, you know trying to secede from the union. You're trying to call civil war, but actually, James Madison, who's called the father of the Constitution, actually talked about this in the Federalist Papers, and uh, he uh, he didn't use the actual word nullification, but he said that states uh, could interpose themselves between their citizens and the federal government who's violating their liberties. And and and, and there's very you know uh, there's various things states can do. It's not a it's not perfect, but it is a very powerful tool. Uh, that we have uh, to uh, stop encroachment by the federal government uh, beyond what uh, powers that they were given in the Constitution. You know, we're talking again with uh, Steve Bias, who's a professor out in uh, Oklahoma and an author and writes this lengthy piece. And what I was quoting there, I'm sorry, the cover story, uh, New American, this month's issue is called Canceling Cancel Culture, but your piece about nullification. But what's a good example? If you needed to sort of sell your neighbor on this idea, what's your best example of here's where the government goes too far, we can push back, right? I mean, you know, the idea that we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, no, I I don't think we're going to sustain. Seed. You know, some people think we're not going to nullify um, Roe v. Wade. Maybe that's an example. But, you know, what, how would you say how would you sell the best example of something? Hey, this is they're going too far. This is how a state could step in and nullify. Uh, well, I, I, you know, one of the uh, problems is that uh, somehow people have come to associate nullification with uh, slavery and it was never yeah. used to nullify 
any acts against slavery because there were no acts against slavery to nullify. But it was right. used in, against the Fugitive Slave Act by some northern states, uh, and uh, they refused to uh, cooperate with uh, federal officers uh, you know, that were going into their states and uh, catching people and saying they were runaway slaves. In fact, mm. the state of Wisconsin uh, not only uh, refused to cooperate with this law, uh, when the U.S. Supreme Court ordered a guy turned over to federal authorities, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court just simply refused to obey it. Hmm. And uh, so that's uh, that's one example. Uh, you know, people would think that's just uncalled. You know, that couldn't happen, uh, but yeah. it did. And uh, of course, Jefferson yeah. and Adams. Uh, yeah, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. That's right. No, no. Tell that's that's important one too. Jefferson yeah, Adams. Jefferson yep, go ahead. and Adams. You know, they, they you know when they they passed the uh, Sedition Act, which threw people in jail and and fined them for simply for speaking out against government policy. Uh, and uh, so they uh, they organized the states of Kentucky and Virginia to speak out against this, and uh, it did lead eventually to the uh, the law being uh, uh, not repealed but just terminated. It, it, it expired, um, and so though you know it's just it's a, it's something to use as another check along with all the other checks that are in the Constitution to try to restrain uh, federal officials. Mm-hmm. And it, it, again, I, I, I wonder if, um, Stephen, I'm, I'm looking at your piece again, it's in the New America now, put it up on social media. Um, I wonder if there couldn't be a sort of modern example, maybe take one of the the uh, proposed actions by the sort of hard left on guns or on something else and say, yeah. this is what they say they want to do. Here's a way we would nullify that, you know, and, and give the give the uh, people a, a their imagination a way to look at it. I think that I think that could be part of, as you say, sort of rehabbing the word, which has been done in such a way that, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they take words and they, they sort of they nullify the words by making them toxic, right? Yeah. Well, states have uh, they, they've nullified. They just don't use that word generally. But what the, for example, uh, there's a lot of things like uh, some, you know, gun control legislation and that sort of thing. The federal government simply cannot uh, implement a lot of the stuff that they want to do if they don't have the cooperation of state and local officials. And uh, a lot of places, state and local officials just refuse to cooperate, and so it can't mm-hmm. get done. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and uh, do other things. So. What about on a on a hot button issue that's also sort of one that's got some established jurisprudence, like say the Second Amendment? Is there a way that you could envision, you know, if there was a Second Amendment uh, a law, and and maybe it's a particular part of the law that you, someone would say, well, we're but I, I guess the states don't need to nullify based on this on a federal constitution. They're they're based on the separation of powers or the, or or on the structure of the of the the uh, federal the nature of our our uh, states. Right? You know, I tell people when I was I was Attorney General nominee in Missouri. And I used to tell people when you study that, it's a powerful job because the states are supposed to, you know, we give our sovereignty not to the federal government. We, the people, have the sovereignty from God. We give it not to the federal government. We give it to the to the states, and they are passing it on to the federal government. And standing between yeah. us and the federal government is supposed to be our state government. So it's um, that is not understood well by the American people. 
Yeah, so, so uh, you know, what would happen is that, uh, like, state officials could uh, uh, make, uh, like, a legislature or whatever, the governor could say, you know, you uh, cooperate with federal officials and we'll arrest you, you know, that type of thing. You're violating a state law. And uh, so it makes it very difficult for the federal government to implement some unconstitutional things when they do that. And one of the things that Jefferson and Adams wanted uh, in looking today is you want this to spread from one state to another state. You know, other states yeah, do it. it. And, of course, then yep, it becomes yep. more powerful the more states that will just stand up and say, we ain't going to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you wrote this piece over in the New American, Steve. I'm glad you're getting, uh, it feels to me like you're getting a lot more attention out there. I've seen you interviewed other places and, and, uh, you're being quoted and all, which means they'll probably come for you next, but I'm, I figure you're ready for that. So, uh, the cancel culture. So thanks very much, Steve Bias. I'll put it up on social media. We'll have you on again. Keep us on a, uh, keep us on your email list and keep in touch because that's very valuable, your voice. So thanks very much, Steve. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right, very very good. We'll take a break. And by the way, this article, this uh, I'll, I'll make sure over on ProAmericaReport.com. My interview with Steve from a few months ago. I'll pair them up with this one. We'll have it over there. I will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. If there's one thing America doesn't need more of, it's taxes. The federal government already takes a reported 29.8% of a taxpayer's income as of 2019. Based on the average salary, that equates to roughly $18,000 per taxpayer. What do we get in return for these federal taxes? Whether you lean to the left or to the right, you probably would agree that we don't get enough. Sadly, the left thinks that the solution to the problem is to just throw more money at it. If we take more in taxes, they say, surely the federal government will start using our money wisely. Obviously, there isn't an ounce of truth to this. The Gospel of Luke says, He that is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If the federal government is a poor spender of our $18,000, what reason have we to believe that they will be more diligent if we give them $28,000? The solution is not to give the federal government more money, but rather to hold them to account for how they spend what we give them right now. It should also go without saying that they do not have the right to increase taxes by one penny until they can pass a balanced budget. Remember, a balanced budget only means America is not going further into debt. It doesn't even touch the debt we already have. If Congress were your financial planner, you'd end up retiring to a cardboard box under a bridge somewhere. Yet Democrats are determined to raise taxes across the board. What should we expect from the same talking heads that preach that Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 was immoral and evil? There is nothing immoral about letting hardworking Americans keep the money they've earned, especially when the alternative is to shovel the money into the bottomless pit at the heart of the swamp. Do not be fooled by the liberal promises of handouts and goodies. You will never get a good return on investment by giving more to the federal government. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Liberal politicians cannot be allowed to manipulate tax laws regarding Social Security, charitable donations, retirement accounts, homeownership, and the definition of family. Low taxes and smaller government are core values at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you, at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. So I got an email from somebody earlier today, one of our listeners. Uh, the, the headline was Interesting Development. I clicked on the Interesting Development, and I'll be darned if old uh, Mike Lindell isn't just like the, I mean, he's just one of the great American treasures. He is announcing that he's going to create an Amazon for conservatives called My Store. My Store. It's on MyPillow.com, My Store. And he's, he's putting all kinds of products in. He's trying to create the opportunity. He's not making the money. These aren't all his products. Uh, and some of them are, obviously, but they're not. It's, it's, he's trying. He's saying we need a patriotic version of Amazon.com. Uh, what makes me smile about this is that I know, because I think I might have told you that earlier that I was in Tennessee with uh, General Mike Flynn. General Mike Flynn, who's very close friends with Mike Lindell, was telling me that Mike Lindell is getting ready to launch his uh, social media platform, his social media company, next uh, Monday. Uh, next Monday, I got forget the date now. I'm not good with dates. I guess it's the uh, 19th. Monday the 19th, he will launch. It's called Frank. Frank, he named like a name, so Frank, I think that's right, and he's going to launch it. But and and General Flynn told me that uh, Mike Lindell, he has a vision, he has uh, the horsepower. You know, he's put some of his own money in, but he's also put some of his marketing genius in. He's put some of his people in. He's he's put his heart and soul behind it, and uh, he is a force. He is a force, and I, I have to tell you, um, you know, when when I listened a few moments ago to the great Craig Shirley, who is uh, besides being a very accomplished uh, writer and a historian, which he is really well respected, he's also one of the great marketing PR guys in the last thirty or forty years, especially within the conservative, the center right movement. And um, when I hear him say, "Hey, Ed, you're not going to convert some of these uh, uh, left leaning in." institutions now you can't bring them back you're just going to have to go and create your own then i think to myself boy i sure i'm glad we've got mike lindell on our side because whether it comes to uh you know fighting back on the lawsuits that he's undertaken i got an update on the lawsuits he's undertaken too is you know mike lindell he's not afraid of, of what most normal people are afraid of most normal people if you get sued by a company that has uh, $2 billion or $3 billion, you are scared of that. And the reason why you're scared of that is because if you got 2 or $3 billion, you're running a business, you can hire a lot of lawyers to make sure you win. And if you're just a little guy, this is one of the this is one of the terrible uh, uh, tragedies you'll hear about of, of say like inventors, people that that invent something, maybe they get a patent or they've got a patent pending, and then it gets knocked off by some big company. And what happens is the big company will be stealing the patent and making some product, you know, a knockoff in China or somewhere, and the little guy will be suing, and the little guy has to hire his cousin Irv to be his lawyer, and, he, and as he's spending ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty grand, he, he's breaking the bank. Meanwhile, the companies he's suing has revenues of, you know, tens of millions of dollars, and they're just unloading, letting, you know, get one of these big law firms that's going to cost millions of dollars, but they can afford it because a million dollars to them is, is, is 10 bucks. And Mike Lindell, uh, you know, now let's list the ways. 
He's been fearless in fighting his lawsuits to say, get to the bottom of the elections. I can tell you firsthand, although he's never written a check to support uh, the organizations that I work at, he's written a lot of checks to support other good organizations, especially pro-life groups. He's put his money where, so that's, that's a guy that puts his money where his mouth is. He's public about it. He's not afraid. And now he's building two platforms, it looks like. One, a sort of Amazon.com called My Store. And the other is this Frank. And uh, I, I have to tell you, you know, when they write the history of America, they'll write about guys. He reminds me, he's like a modern day Sam Adams. Sam, although Sam Adams wasn't a successful businessman, I take it back. I don't know who he'd be like. Sam Adams was a guy that was a street fighter, and he was learning how to do circular letters. He was writing them around. He was uh, creating the Sons of Liberty. Sam Adams was a was a creative marketing organizing genius. Now he wasn't a businessman, actually. I know that he was. A, if you read up his, he was not a he wasn't a good businessman at all. So that's not a good comparison to Mike Lindell. But what a treasure! What a treasure! So watch for that. That'll be coming next week, and I'll keep you up to date on it. All right. Let me say thank you as always to our great technical director noah uh, for putting giving everything on tr- on time and he had a star turn a few weeks ago and he's he's now uh he was on the air he's now getting ready to come back on he's keeps trying to cut my mic and come on we'll see about that and then joanna thank you for booking these great guests super guests today craig shirley is a special guy great to talk to him and our new favorite professor steve bias great to have him on so thank you for listening don't forget visit proamericareport.com sign up for the daily email as well as to look at all these segments there posted there we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow it's ed martin here in the pro america report Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.